on, everybody, right there in your house, why don't you just lift your hands and say, praise the Lord. We welcome you today to this amazing Easter celebration. Like none other that we've had, not only in the United States, but like none other that we've had in the entire world. Dealing with the current situation, we've all had to make some amazing, amazing adjustments. But in the middle of it all, I'm here to declare to you and everybody you're listening with in your home that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Makes no difference what's going on right now in your life or what's happened already concerning the COVID-19 or whatever's going on economically in your household or with you personally. I'm today believing that I'm gonna deliver you a word that's gonna give supernatural hope, gonna give amazing peace, and it's gonna cause you to see God and maybe see yourself in a new and a different light. All over the room, there in your house or office, wherever you're listening, come on, why don't you bow your head and let's begin this portion of our service in a prayer to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus and we're asking you for great grace to help us in a time of need. You're gracious, you're merciful, you're compassionate. We know that from the scripture. But in this hour, in this season, in this time of our life, when everything in our country and maybe even our own lives personally seemed like it was on an uptick, it seemed like overnight with this virus and death and destruction and economic collapse, that we went crashing down on the elevator out of control. Today, Father, I'm asking you that you would be that very present help in time of trouble for every single person, every mom and dad, every single person, every college student, every teenager who's now having to make adjustments studying at home, every mom and dad who's trying to bring education <laughs> to their kids in some semblance of normalcy as questions are being asked. And Father, we're, we're asking you for remedy and cure. We pray for the men and women on the front lines, our doctors, our nurses, our first responders. We pray for those that are leading over us, our mayors, our councilmen and women here in Chula Vista and the surrounding areas in San Diego County and our, our governor, Governor Newsom in California, and of course our president, President Trump and the team that they have assembled. We pray that you'd lead them and guide them and direct them because Father God, you are a God who sees in Jesus' name. Can you say amen right there? That's what I want to do today for the next few moments that I have together with you. I want to He's me. He's a God who sees me. He's not done with you. He's not over. He's not through. I, I was thinking about this really, this title and this message really burning in my heart months ago, probably three months ago, before anything ever happened in our country and the world concerning the current situation with the virus and economic collapse, that God is a God who sees me. And so I wanna weave that all throughout the message and bring home to you, I believe, a thought and just insight that, again, today, I believe is gonna help you wherever you're at 
in this particular season of your life. I want to draw your attention to you that know the story. In the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, there's a man who's actually called in the New Testament the father of our faith. He's, he's a covenant man with God, meaning God picked him and had an agreement with him and his wife, Sarah. But we find out reading the stories that they couldn't have any children. And so Sarah actually had a maid or a servant maid in her house named Hagar. And so Sarah came up with the plan and said, since God wants us to have kids and we can't have kids, Abraham was well past the age, 75 at the time, and later on when this actually happened, and Sarah was 10 years younger than him, and both their bodies had shut down from reproducing and having a family. And yet God said, this is what you're going to have. And they, they got weary of the time element, and they started taking things in their own hands. And so Sarah said to her maid, Hagar, Hagar, I want you to sleep with my husband, and you'll have a, you'll have a child, and, and that child will then be ours. I'll raise that child. But what happened, you can imagine, uh, the, the Bible actually says that when, when uh, Abraham actually slept with Hagar, she w w was, became pregnant. And then just in a few months later, she began showing, and, and wow, there was a war in the house because Sarah was fighting with Hagar. Sarah couldn't have a child, and now Hagar could have a child, and there was animosity, so uh, Sarah just said, Hagar, get out of the house, leave, run away, and and you know where the Bible and, and the, the, the story is really being depicted? It's in, in Israel, and it's, it's desert. And the Bible says that Hagar ran, a pregnant woman running in the desert. Uh, probably didn't have anything with her. Probably didn't have enough water. She, she, she was all by herself in the desert alone. But the Bible says that the angel of the Lord, who is Jesus in the Old Testament, found her in the desert and just said, Hagar, where are you going? Where are you going? And, and you need to go home. You, you need to go home. God has a plan. He's not done with you. I, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you after this encounter. When the angel of the Lord leaves, after this encounter, we have her recording these words. And here's what she says in Genesis 16, 13. She says, you are the God who sees me. And then she also said, have I truly seen the one? Who sees me today? I, I hope maybe you screenshot that, you snap that, you, you bookmark that in your Bible, you underscore that, you know, in your U version, that that you realize no matter where you're at, God sees you. But the question isn't just does God see you. The question is, do you see God? I'm convinced all throughout the Bible, we're going to see story after story. I believe every story begins not where somebody has an encounter with God, sees God, but the story really begins where God sees them. And listen to me today, right there in your car, in your office, in your home, in your den, on your TV, on your phone, on your computer, God sees you. He sees you. He sees exactly where you're at. He sees what you're dealing with. And if you have been running in the wilderness and you're away from him and you're trying to figure it all out, and maybe you're like a Hagar, you got a raw end of the deal. You got laid off. You've got symptoms of the virus in you. Someone that you know and is dear to you has died or is in the hospital. Listen to me. I'm here to tell you, God sees you. He sees you. We have a story in the Old Testament, another one we may, might know well, Moses. Moses was drawn out of that, that water. His mother put him in there to be saved from murder. It was going on during the time. And 
Pharaoh's daughter found him in that bulrushes and, and saved him because, listen, God saw him. But later, the Bible says he, he, he ran away after he killed an Egyptian and he didn't know what to do and he ran away from Pharaoh and he was hiding again in, in the desert. But God found him. God saw him. God saw him. And we know maybe you've seen the, the movie and uh, Ten Commandments and the whole burning bush experience and God talks to him and grabs his attention in a bush that's burning. Maybe now, listen, I, my theology, I don't believe that God caused coronavirus. I don't believe he caused it. But maybe now God is getting your attention during this time. It's a burning bush experience to you. But listen to me again. God saw Moses, but Moses had to see God. Do you see God? Jonah was a prophet. We read about it in his own book. And God had an assignment for him to go preach. And the Bible says he didn't like that plan. And so he ran away and he, he ran to a city called Tarshish and got in a boat and paid the fare and went out across the sea. And there was a great storm that came up. And then he, he got thrown overboard. But God prepared a fish. The fish that swallowed Jonah wasn't a fish of judgment. Listen, it was a fish of mercy. If Jonah, if God didn't prepare the fish for Jonah, Jonah would have drowned. Maybe now, dealing with everything that's going on, maybe this is God's mercy to grab hold of you and to grab hold of me. And to say, I'm the number one person needs to be in your life. Your family needs to be in your life. God, the church needs to be in your life. Connecting with people, it's not just about you and it's not about your own way. God sees you. God sees me. Come on, chat that right now in the, in the middle of your house. Tell your family, God sees me. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your struggle. He sees you in your running, but he will not let you alone. We see in the book of Samuel when the prophet was going to come to town and anoint the next king. And so the Bible says that Jesse got all his sons together, six foot four, six foot three strapping young men. They were all together because they, one of those was going to be chosen to be the next king. Uh, they didn't even choose David. They didn't even bring, the, the dad didn't even bring David to the party. But, but he was called later on when Samuel said, is this all the sons? This, this can't be the one who's God's called. I don't have a, a witness here. And they called David who was left to feeding the sheep, really in obscurity, in the, uh, on the side of the mountain again. And David is called, and then he's anointed to be king. And God brings him from obscure, obscurity to be the greatest leader king in the Old Testament, a type and a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, who is to come. Maybe today you're saying, God, I don't know what to do. I'm a teenager, I'm a college student, and I'm teaching online or having online classes, and I don't know if I'm going to graduate, and I don't know what it's all going to look like, and I, I feel lost, and I feel alone, and I don't know how this is all going to look, look, look out for me. What, what's going to happen in my future? Can I tell you? God is already in your future. He's already called you. He's already assigned you. 
you. He's already got a plan for your life. And if you will just hold steady and you will allow God's seeing, loving eye to grab hold of your open heart, God will take you from where you're at in obscurity, in darkness, in a cave, in a wilderness, and he will bring you to a place of prominence, bring you to a place of promotion. Come on, he'll bring you to the place he has for you. Come on, somebody shout amen up there in the house. Again, all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, I see this, uh, this weaving of the sight of God, the foresight of God in the scriptures. Uh, there's, a, there's a woman that we've been preaching about, gosh, it seems like every other week here at our church before we, we did online. Uh, I, I talk about her in John chapter 4. She's called the woman of Samaria. Uh, the, the Bible says that Jesus came to this area, and it, it said that before this, he said, I, I, I must go to Samaria. And the disciples were, there was fighting between the Jews and the Samaritans. They didn't agree. There was, you know, ethnic, ethnic wars, if you will. And they didn't get along with each other. And, but Jesus says, I've got to go there. And the disciples, when they came into the region, Jesus sent the disciples to get some food. And, and he hung out by a well. And there was a woman. We don't even know her name. The scripture just calls her a woman of Samaria. That's all it tells us who she is. She comes out to draw water. And Jesus starts this conversation with her. God, Jesus, saw her. He saw her in her pain. You, you, you read the account in John 4, and Jesus starts dissecting her heart and what's really going on in her life. And Jesus tells her, hey, girl, you know, you, you've had five husbands, and the person you're living with isn't your husband. God's got a better plan for your life. Because God sees there's nothing hidden in your life. Nothing Nothing in the shadows of your attic or the shadows of your basement is hidden from God. There are no secret closets. There are no unknown rooms. There are no special codes that he doesn't know. He knows everything on your computer. He knows everything on your phone. He knows everything in your mind. He knows everything in your heart. He knows everything your hands have done. He knows every place your feet have gone. And he still is madly in love with you, pursuing you, because God is a good God, and he's got a great plan for your life. And he will never, ever quit on you. Jesus pursues this woman, even though she's, had messed up relationships, and maybe that's you. <laughs> maybe you've been in problem after problem and job after job and relationship after relationship. Jesus knows, and Jesus is still pursuing you today. Again, God saw her, but God wanted her to see him. How did he want, how did he want to be seen? Uh, maybe you've been raised in church, and I'm a church guy. I've been in church my whole life, and I talked to some friends, and, and they maybe had some crazy backgrounds in church, and maybe you're one of those where, where church was a place where if you wanted to get beat down, go to church. If you wanted to get criticized, go to church. If you wanted to get judged, go to church. Listen, that's not what our church is about, and I know a lot of churches that my friends pastor that it's not about. So after this whole thing's all done, what I want to encourage you to do is go to church. Come on, go to the building. Get around some people. Get involved, and you're going to find that God sees you, he knows you, and he's got a great plan for your life, and he's going to connect you with some people that are moving in a profitable direction, and your life is going to be changed because of it. Listen to me. God sees you when you don't see him. He sees you when you don't see him. 
He sees you when you can't find him. Somebody said this, if you want to if you you get God's attention, worship him. <laughs> come on, you just cry out to him. You say, help me. He's going to come running to you today. Maybe that's all you need to do right there on your couch. Maybe that's all you need to do right there around your table. Right there, just say, Father, God, help me. Come on, he will help you today. Well, we see after the resurrection. Now, if there was ever a time that if I was Jesus, I might have bailed on my homies, on my boys, on my dudes that hung around with me, it probably would have been this time. Jesus spent three and a half years with these 12 guys. One of them, Judas, left him. We know that story. But after the resurrection, seven of his disciples said, we're going fishing. Peter leads the parade, and he says, we're going back fishing, meaning I'm going back to my old lifestyle. I'm done with this. I'm, I'm tired of this. Jesus said he's going to die. He's gonna, where is he? He told him exactly what was going to happen. He told him he was going to be crucified. He told him it was going to be three days. Uh, but when it came down to it, they just didn't believe him. So they went back fishing again. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been a God follower. Maybe you've been plugged into church. Maybe things were going okay, but somehow, someway, it didn't turn out the way you thought it should, and now you've left. Confused, hurt, broken, kind of walking with the limp concerning the purpose and the plan that God originally had for your life. But you know what God did. You know what God said. You know the miracles. You know how you used to serve. You know how you used to sing. You know how you used to teach kids. You know how you used to usher. You know how you used to give. But now, all that's been crumbled and stopped. But listen to me. God sees you today. He saw these disciples in their confusion. And what I know about God is that what Jesus sees, he goes after and he sees the world, and his heart today is penetrating nations and people groups, and it's penetrating your heart. Don't miss God seeing you. Because your response then has to be like Hagar. When he sees you, you have to see him. And I believe today your eyes are opening to that very fact. After the resurrection, Jesus showed himself to a couple guys. It's called, in the book of Luke, called the Road of Emmaus. It's crazy. These guys were Christ followers. They, they, they were talking on this road, and they, they were, again, forlorn. They were messed up. They couldn't believe, full of anxiety, that this guy that we followed named, named Jesus, he's gone. And they're having this discussion. Uh, man, this is terrible. And the Bible says Jesus just pops in the middle of their walking. <laughs> they're out here walking on the Road of Emmaus. Jesus shows up, and Jesus said, what are you guys talking about? Hey, what are you guys saying? And, and they started talking to him, like, like telling Jesus. They, they couldn't, they didn't recognize him. Telling Jesus, where you been, man? Hadn't you heard what's going on in Jerusalem? Man, how Jesus was crucified, how, they, how the people beat him and the people tortured him. And, and, and they're trying to tell Jesus about what happened to Jesus. Hilarious story. But as they're walking, <laughs> As they're walking, Jesus, check this out now. The Bible says this. you got to read the Bible slow because you missed some of these key points that you can be overlooked. The Bible says Jesus would have gone on past where they lived. But they constrained him to come into their house. 
They, 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 no, something about when Jesus was talking, the Bible says he, he opened up some scriptures to them and, and started speaking to them out of the book of Isaiah and, and talk, really kind of rebuked them. He said, man, you guys slow to believe all the prophets have said. And as they're walking along, Jesus would have kept going. But they constrained Jesus. Today, my prayer to you is that you would get a hold of Jesus. Listen to me. Hear me, he's looking, he sees you. You gotta see him, but you've gotta want him in your life. You've gotta want him in your home. And if you want him, he is gonna stay. Because that's what he did with these two guys. He comes to their house and he starts talking to them again. And the scripture just says this. He, he breaks bread. He gets bread. It's, this is like the communion. After he had communion with his disciples and went to the cross, he, he takes the bread and the Bible says he, he blessed it and he broke it. And at that moment, they looked at each other and all of a sudden they saw him and their eyes were open. Their eyes were opened over Jesus breaking bread. Get Jesus in your home and your life will change. He sees you, but you have to see him. I, 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 one part of the story of the resurrection, you can read it in, in the gospel accounts. I, 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 Kimber and I were talking about this last night. I was just laying in bed and, and man, I rolled over to her and I started having a conversation with her about the, the message today, and she was amening me real good. I hope you are out there. But there's a part of the story that's recorded that when Jesus was crucified, there was a robber on his right and a robber on his left. And the robber on one side began rebuking Jesus and scolding Jesus, and we could say cursing Jesus and, and, and saying, hey, if, you, if you're the son of God, how come you can't get yourself down and get us down too? And the other one said, you have no fear of God. You have no reverence for God. This is the son of God. And he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks at him on the cross. Jesus saw the robbers. But only one saw him. And he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. As I was talking to Kimberly, it just, again, it burdened my heart that I could be, I don't know how far those, close, the, the, those crosses were. We've got social distancing now, right? I don't know how far they were apart, maybe only, you know, 10 feet, 15 feet, that you could be that close to Jesus and miss Jesus, that Jesus could see you and Jesus could extend to you eternal life and somehow, someway, you cannot see or hear the invitation. My prayer to you today is that you would see God as the God who's already seen you. Uh, the, the cross, the cross means that God has done several things. Number one, we've said it all morning. He sees you. Come on, type that, chat that. He sees you. He sees me. God sees me. He sees me exactly where I'm at. God hears you. The minute you pray and you cry out to him, God hears you. God hears you. The third thing I want you to see is that God knows you. He knows you by name. Uh, you could think of yourself as that woman in John 4, that nameless Samaritan. Listen, she was nameless, but she was not knownless. 
<laughs> we have no name that's recorded. Of course, she had a name. We don't have it in the Bible, but she was known by God. So can I tell you, if nobody knows your name, God knows your name. And he was coming looking for you today. He sees you, he hears you, he knows you, listen, and he wants you. He wants you in your hang-ups, your mess-ups, your frustrations, your sin. He wants you in your brokenness and your pain and things you've done. He is going to fix that in your life because he sees you. Not with eyes of judgment, not with eyes of condemnation, but with eyes of mercy, with eyes of grace, with eyes of compassion that can heal every wound in your heart. Can you see this Jesus? One robber could, one robber couldn't. The question then has to be asked, how does God see us? Uh, we, we've talked a little bit about it, but how does God see us? And this is where it might get a little messy to you. I, I believe in a good gospel, I believe in a good God, but, but this is where we need to come face to face with us and what the scriptures say about us and our humanity and our current condition right now in the world is that number one, we see that God saw us in our sin. He saw us in our sin. This is the, 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 the plight of every man, every woman, every person born in the earth is that God saw us in our sin and our, our sin caused the separation between a holy God and sinful man. Our sin separated. We know that from the Genesis account. When Adam and Eve sinned, there was a separation but God doesn't ever leave you that way. Even though God saw you in your sin, he doesn't leave you that way. What we find out is that God sent a Savior. He sent a Savior to pay the penalty for your sin on the cross. The Savior, his name is Jesus. There is no other way to be saved. There is no other name given among heaven, the Scripture says, by which man may be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know that name? Have you called out to that name? Have you welcomed that name? Have you embraced that? Do you see the Savior? Because the Savior sees you. He sees you, and he wants you, and he knows you, and he hears you. Has your heart been open to that? God saw you in your sin, but God didn't leave you and me that way. He sent a Savior, but you now must respond. So to be saved from your sin, you need to receive Jesus as your sin substitute. To be saved from your sin, you need to receive Jesus as your sin substitute. You can't pay for your own sin. Jesus was spotless, sinless, pure, holy, uncontaminated with sin. The only one who could redeem you and I back to God and God sent Jesus to be this Savior. David writes something amazing in Psalms 40. I love what he says. David writes in Psalms 40. He says this in the first couple of verses. God turns to me. If God turns to you, God's going to see you. God turns to me. God hears me, David says. And then God's going to lift me out of my current situation, he goes on to say. He's going to lift me out of my current situation. God is going to set me on solid ground. Set me on solid ground. And God steadies me whenever I waver. And maybe you're, maybe you're wanting some stability in your life. Maybe, maybe things are shaky, which they are, all across the world right now. And you're needing a firm foundation. That firm foundation is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. So God sees you. He turns to you, and he hears you, and he, he lifts you, and he, he sets you on solid ground. And if you ever waver, he's going to steady you. He's going to steady you. 
right there where you're at. I think we all would agree in these two statements I'm about to ask and, or say, and then a question that will follow that. I think we all ask this question. Statement number one is, we're not in control. Help me out, brother, on the piano. We're not in control. Everything going on, coronavirus has proved that. Financially, no matter what you've had, again, no matter how much money you have in the bank, can't pay you to good health. We're just not in control. We live in a sin-stained world. Things are happening all around us, happening more and more rapidly. And I believe you can be in control of your life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But in this world, we're not controlling everything that goes on in this world. Second statement I think you'd agree is that we're all going to eventually die. We will all eventually die. There are young people that die that we never thought would die. There's old people that live longer but eventually die. We're all going to die. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready for death when it comes? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet death? The question that we all ask sometime in our life is probably this. Is there more to this life than this life? Is there more? There's got to be more. Listen, that burning in your heart, that longing in your heart, that there's got to be more, that aching in your soul is telling you there's more to this life. And it's not in money, it's not in fame, it's not in fortune, it's not in friends, it's not in pleasure, it's not in going places and trips. The thing you're looking for is the God who's looking for you. He sees you. Would you turn and see him? In, in the middle of this pandemic, coronavirus, our, our country commissioned and sent two specialized ships, one to the East Coast and one to the West Coast, one to New York City and the other to Los Angeles. They're Navy ships and they're in a class by themselves. And maybe you've seen them though, the one that's actually, it's harbored here, it's stationed here in San Diego and it was shipped up to Los Angeles. But these Navy ships are in a class by themselves. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but one of the ships is called Mercy and the other ship is called Comfort. From one coast to the other, I can't think of anything more prophetic that from one coast to the other, from the East Coast to the West Coast, mercy and comfort has come to help you. Mercy and comfort, covering our nation, trying to help people. This is the picture, the perfect picture of the person, Jesus Christ, coming to help you with mercy and comfort, coming to your side because he sees you. Will you see him? The Apostle Paul calls God the God or the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The Father of mercies. I love that. It's, it's plural, mercies. 
The Bible says that his mercies new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Every morning, you need mercy. Every morning, every day, you need comfort. Mercy and comfort is found in a person named Jesus Christ. Jesus was God's mercy and comfort in human flesh. He hung on a cross, he suffered and he died. God saw you and God sent you and me as Savior. You can't save yourself, it's impossible. And all you have to do is turn. This is a biblical word. We don't, it's given a negative connotation, but it's actually a beautiful word. It's called repent. It just simply means change your mind and change your direction. Maybe you've heard it angrily preached on a street corner with a blowhorn. Maybe you've heard it shoved down your face by some crazy preacher. Hear me, but God's heart is for you to turn. Change your mind about him and change your heart and your direction. And when you do, he's gonna come running to you. Would you do that today? In your living room, in your bedroom, in your car, in your office, around on a phone, an Android, a phone right now, watching on your TV, would you bow your head and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Come on, all over the room, right there. Your head bowed, your eyes closed. Get your kids around. Get your teenagers around.